Hi again there folks, uh, nice to be back again and I really enjoy this because uh, I really love doing the thing that I, uh, that I do a lot with you guys that are listening out there but thank you for listening and that's talking about birds. As you know we've um, been a few times, we've spoken about quite a few birds by now and um, I know the reason I'm going to change a little bit today is because um, in the forest near where I live, that being I'm Downey Forest, um, I, I normally walk there a lot uh, during the weekends and sometimes in the evenings. And I've been looking in the last couple of weeks for all returning migratory birds uh, that actually come back to our region and area. And, and, and particularly I've been looking for the spotted uh, ground thrush, uh, which brings me basically to the birds uh, that I actually want to talk about, and that's thrushes uh, in, in, in Southern Africa but uh, more particularly in South Africa. So um, the thrushes that we're looking at this time around, because there are quite a few other ones, uh, not to mention the Cape Rock, the Sentinel Rock Thrush, the Short-Toed Thrush, and the Miombo uh, Rock Thrush. But I'm specifically going to be talking about the uh, Spotted Ground Thrush, the Ground Scraper Thrush, the Olive Thrush, Karoo Thrush, and Curricane Thrush, or as some people like to call it, Corichani Thrush. Uh, well, I might be wrong, they might be right, but uh, it's all tomato, 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 if you know what I'm trying to say. So there we go, and um, that's, okay, I think it's about time to actually get going with this bird. So I'm going to look now first at the uh, spotted ground thrush. So as I mentioned earlier, I've uh, been waiting for its return. Uh, it actually migrates, albeit altitudinally or uh, seasonally, it actually goes up and down the coast. Um, it, it's known to be a resident, but it, as I said, it has uh, known to be, you know, moves around seasonally. So um, it'll either be in our area for a while and it'll move up or down the coast, uh, depending on summer or, or the winter areas. Uh, but I've just seen it coming back uh, every year, around about September, October, and I've been looking forward to it. And you know what? We just saw it last week. So that's what actually made me want to actually talk about it. And it's um, fine feathered friends. It's actually listed as an endangered bird because um, it, it really has a very, very small and really severely fragmented uh, population. Uh, it's actually presumed to be sort of undergoing a continual decline because of, you know, the destruction of the and sort of degradation of its uh, habitat. And uh, it sounds like I'm getting some holly doors flying over. They always make a noise. But anyway, those are birds, and I love them as well. The uh, population is actually suggested to be less. And I'm talking about in the world. Uh, two and a half thousand of these uh, spotted ground thrush in the world. And that, that is incredibly, incredibly small. So, you know, obviously here in South Africa is a lot less. And uh, the only place you can actually find them is a, a very short coastal area between the um, Eastern Cape and KwaZulu-Natal. They are sort of large brown-backed thrush and they've got very heavy spotting below uh, and, and, and white wing bars. It's, uh, it's, it's, as I said, it's very rare and it's a localized um, endangered species. Uh, so we'd normally see it coming into our uh, montane forest sites, well, especially here in Amdoni Forest, that's the time that I basically get to see it, but it normally goes down 
to the um, Eastern Cape, towards the Eastern Cape, for um, the summer periods, uh, where it'll have a good little time nesting and and brooding up the little ones, and it'll go up into the um, sort of northern coastal areas during the uh, winter time, uh, into the forest areas, you know, to go and hide in the forest during sort of that time. It's very similar to the ground scraper thrush, which I'm going to talk about uh, just now, but it can be separated from it uh, by the areas. You'll see that the areas uh, of, of these two birds are basically not in the same place, but I'll mention it just now. And it has, uh, the ground scraper thrush has a much more upright stance. You'll see it almost standing to attention when it runs and, well, mostly time it just runs around. Uh, the spotted ground thrush spends much of the time in sort of a leaf-littered um, area on the forest floor. Where I see it quite a lot and it flicks its tail and it flicks around through the leaves in search of, of small um, invertebrates. Uh, it also does forage seeds and fruits uh, but um, and of course insects uh, in the leafy sort of floors. Uh, they normally have a clutch size of about two to three little ones and usually make nests in a little bowl shaped you know, made from small twigs, etc. Uh, they hang around in pairs and they usually forage separately. So if you walk in the forest, you'll, you must probably only see the one, the male or the female, but they are in the same area uh, at one time, but they normally forage uh, separately, as I just said. They are sort of attacked and, and you know, looked after, I mean, looked after, but hunted by the um, African goshawk, and they've got this little thing they do that uh, if they hear the goshawk in the area they actually freeze they go completely still um, so no one in the area will um, will obviously it won't move and that's the, and that's what it actually does to try and uh, save itself and uh, most of the time and most of these thrushes uh, as I'll talk through them you'll, you'll see that they um, only the female uh, well especially in this one only the female incubates so when she does leave the, the nest, the eggs are, are fairly uh, vulnerable. Uh, but when the young are born, um, the female will then move the shells of the eggs for at least about 10 meters away from the nest. So, so not as to sort of advertise the fact that there is a you know, nest nearby. I must say, I'm, you know, I'm really worried about this, this bird because it's, it's rather timid and, and tame. So if you're walking through a little path and... Uh, it's quite an open sort of forest with a lot of leaf on the floor. That's the type of uh, habitat that they like to hang around in, you know, when they're hopping around um, the leaves looking for stuff like that. They, 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 they tend to be, you know, tame. Uh, they, don't, they won't sort of rush away or hide away. So all I'm saying is try not to spend too much time with, you know, looking for them or trying to admire them from close up. Or, you know, don't play the calls because, you know, we don't want to chase the males away because they might think, that this is a, a better male that's calling because obviously the sound's going to be maybe a little louder. Uh, these birds also mimic um, a lot of forested species, you know, uh, especially like the, uh, let me them, it's incredible, the red chested cuckoo, um, the somber bubble, and what else is the black bellied starling, I know it does the olive bush shark, and uh, yeah, of course the Cape white but you know what, let me play its call for you now. Okay, so now we've got the sound of the uh, spotted ground thrush. <laughs> 
Hopefully. So if you hear that, that's like a more of a, a very high sort of whistle that comes in. Uh, you, it'll be different to all the other ones that I'm going to give you. But from now, um, I'm going to move now, because we've been speaking about the ground scraper thrush being the one that's sort of closest to the spotted ground thrush. So I'm going to move to that one now, which is um, the one I said earlier. It's a tall, very bold, sort of long-legged. It's got a very short tail uh, thrush, but it stands up. Uh, it's really grayish brown on the upper parts, but it's also got very heavily streaked on the sort of white underparts. And it's got a very strongly like marked face. But as I said before, you know, get yourself a nice uh, bird guide and go and have a look at the sort of bird pictures, and you can actually see inside there uh, what I'm talking about. Uh, you'll see the specific bird. It looks like it's a detention every time it sort of moves around. It's got fairly long legs. Uh, you must probably see it in sort of grasslands and gardens. That sort of tend to uh, sort of hang out in open areas and picnic sites as it runs and sort of forages for, for insects. But you'll see it actually sort of bouncing around and but it, it runs quite quickly and it stops upright and it flicks its wings and then you'll see it walking around looking for uh, insects, um, etc. They, they, they're quite a fairly common uh, South African resident. But um, is actually absent around about the southern end of of South Africa, you know, the KZN, the coastal belt, and then the and the dry western areas. That's everything. That's sort of if you looked at the map on the left hand side, they're kind of like sort of missing. It can also, as the one before, it can also also mimic uh, birds, but uh, but mostly in this side it, it mimics the Diedrich cuckoo and the greater blue eared starling, which we haven't spoken about in the past. But uh, as to its call, I'm going to just see if I can find it for you fairly quickly. Uh, that's a ground scraper thrush, and this is the actual call of that one, if I can get it. And yeah, totally different. It's got that, like a raspy call, and not as loud. It's got a call, as I said before, and they also birds have a song. And the song is something like this. See, it's a difference between a call and a song. As you can hear, it's not as loud and, and intense as the as the other one, the spotted ground thrush. Nice, eh? But you see, it's got like a black line through its eyes, and it's uh, almost two-toned. But its bill—it's got like a dark on the top of the bill, and yellow at the you know the, the bottom end of the bill. Is 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 um, is yellow. It's got like a little bit of white on top of its leg, but it's um, got yellow legs. But look on the bird. But you'll see it's got a very short tail. That's why it can actually stand upright. You know, a lot of the times when you when you're up north in the northern areas and you uh, where there's a lot of bushfires and that where these, especially in the in the sort of grassland areas, you can actually find these. Every time there's been a fire, as soon as it's cool, they tend to come in quite early, and then you'll see them bouncing or running very quickly in between looking, as I said before, flicking its wings, looking around for insects, albeit cooked insects. <laughs> but I don't know what they actually find there, but you will see them actually going around. And and, 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 the, and the, the funny thing with these ones, they, they, they don't just sort of hang around in sort of um, in pairs. 
but they have a small family that actually, or well, let's say a family groups. And uh, these are the most social of all the thrushes. Uh, they also have a sort of cup-shaped nest, uh, which is built in the vegetation. And then, you know, like most of the others, they use spider webs and they line them with feathers or, you know, leaves or something that they can find. Uh, this nest, in fact, is built by both sexes. And it's usually near... And this is the interesting thing. Uh, they normally nest near fork-tailed drongos. You'll find them sort of nesting after they've found a, the nest of a fork-tailed drongo because what happens is the, um, the fork-tailed drongo, it's got, a, it's got a very aggressive defense of their nest to sort of predators in the area. And you'll always find these um, very clever birds. They'll actually go and look for these nests or hang around near the uh, um, drongos. They themselves are, are, are very, uh, uh, you know, worried about their own nests themselves, you'll see that they sort of um, look after the uh, defense of their own nests. But, um, yeah, which is quite interesting. And uh, they normally lay about three to four eggs, and they normally incubate 14 or 15 days, which is the norm for, for all these thrushes that I'm actually talking about. So um, I'm not going to repeat that part of it. Um, but the, the other thing is, once the youngs are hatched in this family, uh, the sort of family of adults will then feed the young ones whenever they're around. And and the, I read in Roberts, and this is quite interesting, if you ever Roberts, go into Roberts and read it, uh, and it's quite interesting. I haven't seen it myself, but uh, they, they, they watched four adults uh, feeding four chicks. And of the four, the three of them only went to their favorite. So the one would only feed the one at all the time, and the other ones would feed the other ones. And one of them, the fourth one, would feed all the four chicks. Isn't that strange, eh? But some birds, it's just crazy to think about how they... They do. There's also seen, you know, some of the young ones, after they're fledged and they've left, left their nest, they kind of hang nearby and they, they, they continue to beg. And they've actually seen a sort of curry cane or curry johnny thrush uh, actually come by and feed them, which is, which is crazy. But uh, even stranger still, eh? But uh, as I said before, the adults are they're very aggressive in protecting their young. So much so that uh, these are the birds that I know, because myself, it's happened to me once when I was up near the... Sony Pass border, uh, they actually uh, they get attacked. Uh, humans can can get attacked if you get too close to the to uh, to the nest. So let that be a warning, folk. Um, and that's about it for that one. Now I'm going to move on to the next one. Okay, now folks, now we're going to get onto two that I find very 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 interesting. That's the olive and the karoo thrushes. Um, the olive thrush is a um, Typical thrush, you know, it's got the same type of look and the same um, look about these ones that I've spoken about before. They've got like an olive brown upper part with uh, very rufous underparts. But the crew looks very much the same, but it's, it's, it has a grey and, and not rufous flanks. And um, it has like a sort of a yellow-orange, not brown as the other one, um, has a yellow-orange um, ring. And the other thing is interesting is the upper... Mandible. Remember, I said to you that the olive, the upper um, mandible of the bull, was dark, but these ones, the upper and the lower, is is yellow. So that's actually one of the points that stand out, uh, that makes a bit different from the others. And of course, it's also a less streaky throat. Um, it's said that the Karoo thrush is, um, well, it's thought to be a subspecies of the um, olive thrush. Uh, I could be saying it wrong, but I'm almost certain that is uh, the same. And the behavior of both 
is um, very, very similar, where the female will build the nest, normally about um, two to about nine meters above the ground in a tree or a, or a hedge or something. Then they will lay about one to three eggs, which are incubated only by the female, also for about 14, 15 days, as I said before. And their diet actually consists mostly of earthworms, insects, you know, snails, a bit of fruit and spiders, etc., those type of things. Um, the, the other, these two species are almost found, if you look at the map of Africa in, in separate regions, uh, with the Karoo thrushes, it's mostly found in the whole of the Cape and the northern western um, areas, where the olive thrush is mostly coastal, right up through to the Kruger. They do actually overlap because I was at the Golden Gate area and I've picked up both. So that is basically very close. Just the other side of the Golden Gate is where it's shown in the maps where they actually um, overlap. So there is a sort of overlap, overlapping area. So um, it's interesting. So if you, a lot of, a lot of birders kind of like know the olive thrush, but I can guarantee you a lot of them don't know about the Karoo thrush. You know, it's only recently, and I don't know, last 10 years or so that I know of, it might have been earlier or might be later, that this is something that I learned of myself. And I always looked at the bonoir, there's olive thrush. But there you go. So, um, and so, yeah, as I said, well, there you go, getting myself confused. Again, as usual, if you guys listen to me a lot, you know, I get confused as I talk a lot. Uh, during the, the hatching time, the um, female normally broods, but you know, it's helped by the males. And uh, both of them, in this case, uh, feed the young. Okay, I'm going to actually play the calls of both the birds, the olive thrush and the karoo thrush. And you, I think I've done it already. I have done it already. I'm getting a bit old. You heard it earlier when I played them, but I might just play it again just for fun. Bird calls. You know what I'm actually going to do? Um, now is um, because I was getting myself a little confused. I'm going to actually play all of them if I can. Uh, now I did play you the ground scraper thrush just now, which was something like this where, yeah, that's right, I had the call, like that one, and then we had the song, being, being that one. Then we had the, um, what was it, the ground scraper thrush and the spotted ground thrush, which was, okay, those are the two I played you. So now I'm going to play you the olive thrush. Is that really robin like? And now for the Karoo thrush. Now remember, I said that these things are, they look. A lot of luck, but listen to the sounds. Totally different. That was the two calls from those two um, birds, and the um, so 
I'm gonna move on now to the curricane thrush or as people sometimes call it or maybe they call it Corichani thrush and I just call it a curricane thrush either way tomato tomato whatever you decide you want to call it you can go into it a bit later and, and, and look at the books and see okay what is the correct uh, call for this uh, what is the correct way to describe this thing but you know whatever way it'll always look the same so just go in there with that thought because it's got a, a very grey olive, um, it's a very grey olive thrush as well. But it's got a very white belly and it's got a very buff orange flanks on the side. And it's got a very distinctive, very bright orange bill and eye ring. And it's got like a pale throat with a, a very broad black moustache, which is very important because no other uh, of the thrushes have this broad black moustache that comes down. Um which is the dark malar striping, malar striping. Um, and they normally hang out in pairs and they normally occupy a variety of, you know, the broadleaf woodland area uh, or thornfelt and even the open savanna, uh, where you'll also see it running around on the ground uh, foraging for plants or animal matter, where we get most of the, 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 the thrushes do the same type of thing, foraging on the ground. Um, they found um, from about central through to sort of southern Africa. It's a natural habitat, as I said, it's a very dry savanna and woodland. Uh, predominantly a sort of miombo woodland. So looking at our map of South Africa, which is what I like to do, um, it's mostly throughout. Um, and also includes most of the Limpopo as well, the uh, um, you know, sort of mostly throughout Natal, and then it goes like upward towards including the edge of Kruger National Park. So, um, and then you know, most of the Limpopo, as I said, as well. I was just looking at my map again, so I was getting myself a bit confused, but I'll just say that again. Um, it's mostly throughout Natal that you'll find this. And then if you look at it from Natal to the end of Natal, it goes almost upwards with a little bit of a um, loop around the Limpopo and around the edges of uh, Kruger National Park. And um, you'll find them find them there. Um, th and as I've said before, its belly is much lighter than that of the olive or the Karoo thrush. But now let's listen to its call. Um, that is the... This is here. You can hear it's a very busy call, and um, but every single one is different, so it'll always pay you to actually listen to them before you go into the areas. So when you're looking at the thrushes, go and look at them in the books, see where you're going to find them, listen to the calls, go to that area and see how many of them are there in that area. So that'll help you a lot before you even listen to them. I'm um, looking for the uh, olive thrush, that's going to be there for definite. You can listen to the call, and you know what? Early in the mornings and, and then late in the evenings, they tend to call a lot, you know, because they, as I said, one of my earlier calls, that's where you're going to find most of the birds are calling in the e early mornings and or, you know, the late evenings. So um, these ones, uh, the, the hurricane thrushes are also 
monogamous birds, but um, the the nests are built mostly by the female. When I say mostly, I think it's only the female. And <laughs> while she's building, the male will sort of hang out from a nearby tree and he'll sing away around, sing away while she's doing the the building. And the, the most interesting thing about about these birds when they um, oh, there's a purple crested. That's beautiful in the background. I can hear it calling. The old name is Luri. But there we have it. Um, they they actually use um, their, their building materials are are damped, so they're basically dipped in water before use, and that's what they normally do. So they they mostly active um, during the uh, um, nest, but just after rains. Yeah, and and I think the most interesting thing is, as I just said now, is that they will actually. Um, I'm I'm repeating myself on a. But I just wanted to get it across is that they, all their building materials are damped. They'll actually dip it in water before they actually use them. So especially if there's been rain around and it's close to where they, they'll rather wait for rain. So there's a lot of, uh, the, the most active part of their building is as soon as the rains finish, then you'll see them and they'll build their, their nests, always using their damp twigs and damp leaves, etc. And the female will incubate the eggs on her own. Well, the male roosts nearby. What a job he's got, isn't it? Okay, so that is the curricane. I'm going to move on to the orange ground thrush, which is one that's been eluding me for a long time. I haven't even got a good photo of this thing at all. As they're, they're very shy birds, and you know they'll only show themselves if you go into the area there and then you flush them out. Or you've heard them somewhere and you'll sort of wait a while, wait a while and wait a while, and hopefully it'll show itself. But um, they normally, if you flush them out, they normally come onto a perch or about one and a one and a half meters above the ground and they'll just sit there looking at you or, or maybe even calling if you're lucky. They are solitary birds and they also regard it as near threatened and you'll only find them in certain areas of the Eastern Cape in almost a straight line through Natal uh, at, a, at a slightly high altitude so they won't be on the coast belt but you'll find them in the inner sort of portions and they're very very hard to find and as I said they, they're very uh, um, shy birds. They're also in the western edge of the Kruger National Park. So if you're up that area and you're looking, you must really um, get to it. But it's hard for me to describe exactly where it is. As, as I said before, get a guide, see the photos and the distribution of these birds for yourself. And then you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. The, the males of these ones would actually keep their missuses for about two years. Then they'll move on. Uh, and then I'll find another female. The female will build its nest herself as, as they normally do. She'll incubate by herself and sometimes will stay on the nest. And you know, the fact about these, these, these orange um, ground thrushes is that the female will stay on that nest. If you see that female on the nest, it won't move until you almost walk up to it and touch it. Only then will it, will it move. And that's quite a fascinating thing. Um, but both the male and the female will feed the young ones when, it, when, it does, uh, you know, when the time does come for them to, um, to sort of do their breeding and all that. But uh, what I am going to do now is I'm going to play for you the spotted ground thrush. And there's the holly dogs in the background again. Boy, they're noisy birds. I seem to have a lot around them today, especially in the rain. They come down and they go into the gardens and they start uh, digging around in the grounds. Maybe one of these days I might actually talk about the ibises. And there might be an idea. I don't have to go far to listen to the sounds of them, trust me. As I'm talking to you, they must probably even make their noises themselves. 
But let me play you the noise. Here's the sound, not noise, excuse me when I say that, the call of the orange ground thrush. There we go. Folks, that's, that's, this, that's, that's all I have for you today. I've spoken about the um, olive thrush, the crew thrush, the, the two of them being very, very, very similar, but in different areas. It's almost like they split. Whoops. The orange ground thrush, we spoke about the curry cane thrush, the ground scraper thrush, and the spotted ground thrush. I will talk about the other ones, as I said before, the uh, rock thrushes. Uh, we'll talk about those a little bit later, but... Uh, uh, these ones you will see in the gardens and um, all I can say from now thanks for listening again and um, go out to try and find them and uh, from me Big Al happy twitching cheers